With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast, where I go in-depth with the most intriguing people in the world of soccer. I'm on vacation right now, but we are releasing new weekly interview episodes on Thursdays while I'm gone. In this episode, I'm joined by Monchi, the director of football for Roma, and one of the most highly regarded directors of football in world soccer. Our conversation, which included interpretation by Roma's Claudio Bichelia, was recorded on August 6th. Just a quick reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Onward! Our guest today is the director of football for the Italian club Roma. Ramon Rodriguez Verdejo, better known as Monchi, is regarded as one of the finest directors of football in European soccer. He played as a goalkeeper for Sevilla from 1988 to 1999, and he went on to serve as Sevilla's director of football from 2000 to 2016. Along the way, he became known for identifying talent, including Sergio Ramos, Dani Alves, Ivan Rakitic, Julia Baptista, and many more. And during his time at Sevilla, the club won five UEFA Cup and Europa League titles. In 2017, he moved to Roma. Monchi, thank you for joining me. Gracias por la entrevista. Gracias a vosotros. Thank you. Uh, our interpreter today is Claudio Bichelia. Many thanks to you for your help here. And I want to begin simply by asking the question, how do you describe what your job is as a director of football? Uh, no es fácil, uh, el, uh, well, it's not easy to describe el, my job, but mio, to sum it up in a few words, you know, in, it's about carrying out uh, the sports planning of a football club, everything that revolves around the planning. So from deciding who will be the trainer to the club philosophy, the club uh, model, hiring players, selling players. And luckily, it's a figure that is becoming more and more important. Why has the director of football position developed more over the years on the European continent and less so in England, for example? Um, es una cuestión de, um, de modelo. Well, it's it's depends on the it depends on the models. It's down to models. Uh, I usually identify three uh, models. There's the presidential model, the so-called English model, which uh, revolves around the figure of uh, the head coach, and a mixed model where. Uh, there is a president, a coach, and a sporting director uh, coexisting. And in my opinion, um, the latter is the more balanced one, uh, which is a model where the president decides the amount of the investment, the coach detects the profile of the players, and the sporting director looks for the, for the player. Uh, in England, uh, um, over time, a coach model, uh, a coach model 
prevailed um, and you know it turned out to be quite successful but in my opinion slowly and gradually they are shifting towards um, the European uh, model and that's why because uh, more and more of foreign trainers coaches are uh, going to England and they are used to work in this way with this model. Very few directors of football in Europe have established a great reputation, it seems like. There are a few. Um, um, why is it so difficult to establish a reputation as, as a really good director of football? El director deportivo no tiene, no tiene que ser nunca. El actor principal de la película. Well, uh, this is the case because the sporting director is never the main actor in uh, the football uh, movie, uh, so to speak. The main actors are, are always, and as it should be, uh, the, the coach, the head coach, and the players. So it's, it's usually a job that is carried out uh, behind the scenes in the shadow. So that's why it's usually difficult to recognize his job and people often even ignore the name of every single sporting director. But this is also changing um, due to the uh, um, force that uh, you know, this FICA is uh, taking uh, over, over time. But I would say that this is the main reason because you know, in nowadays uh, football, the sporting director is not the, the main actor. You were at Sevilla for many years. Uh, why did you want to leave Sevilla after so many successful years there? Well, this is a question I had to answer many times uh, uh, lately. Uh, but the thing is that I never managed to convince the people I was speaking to. They thought, uh, thinking, uh, you know, they were convinced about their uh, previous uh, opinions. Uh, but you know, I, I really thought it was time for me to, to have a, a change after spending 29 years in the same club, 12 years as a player, 17 as a sporting director. So it was the right time to change. I felt uh, I needed to experience new, new things and whether, you know, put to prove myself whether I was able to carry out this job out of my comfort zone, which was uh, Sevilla. But you know, m many people uh, still think that I did it for money or because I had uh, an argument, arguments with, uh, with the president. But no, I really felt, you know, um, I was willing and eager to uh, go through new uh, feelings and uh, experiences. Why did you pick Roma over the other clubs that were interested in you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. No sé. Eh, pienso que... Well, I think I chose Roma because out of the options that I had among them, uh, Roma was the club that was offering me the chance of being myself, of being Monchi, which was a key uh, to me, uh, you know, to maintain uh, the autonomy, the independence, to the responsibility, you know, in... In, uh, to sum it up, uh, the possibility to carry out my job under the very same circumstances that um, worked out fine uh, for me. Um, and Roma you know, offered me the chance not to change my professional uh, identity. Uh, they gave me this chance and uh, 
for 16 months uh, later from a professional standpoint i can just confirm that my choice was right what is the the structural hierarchy at roma so who is your boss and is the hiring and firing of the first team coach you said earlier that is part of your job description correct eh, la jerarquía es similar a cualquier otra estructura You have a, a history in your career of buying players at low prices and selling them for high prices. How do you go about identifying players and what is the story of how you built your scouting staff when you just started doing this job? ¿Cómo detectamos el talento? Respuesta poco original. How do we detect uh, talent? Well, I'm afraid my answer would not be so original and I would say through hard work. The truth is that I was asked this question many times and I think that first of all, it's important to have a good, to have in place a good scouting uh, structure to get to the talent sooner than your uh, competitors and then try and find those players that are useful for your sports uh, model, uh, players that are functional to your uh, model. So, uh, you know, I would say to have a good scouting structure, a good planning of the work in general, and a good handling of information. And plus, nowadays, the importance of uh, data. Data are not the philosophical stone, but, you know, they can make a shorter the way to find the right player. I won't ask you for any of your secrets with with data, um, but it does sound like it plays a, a pretty significant role. I, how does like how, how many scouts do you have at Roma, and how do you use the data? Is there any way to elaborate a little bit? Hoy somos eh, 15. Okay, so nowadays uh, we have a team of 15 uh, uh, scouts and basically we share the work uh, by uh, leagues. So each one uh, has to monitor thoroughly uh, one league and uh, all informations are uh, put into a common data bank. Uh, from where we decide which players to keep monitoring and which ones we uh, 
uh, we stop monitoring. Um, and all these people right now are working in uh, Rome, but we, we are uh, right now busy uh, building a scout network uh, that will be entrusted the task to uh, monitor uh, young players, a team uh, supposedly of 2025 uh, people scattered throughout the world that will work uh, under the uh, monitoring of one person working based in Rome. How much or how is Roma different from Sevilla in how you do your job every day? It's different. It's different. Well, it's different uh, from uh, many uh, standpoints. Uh, first of all, in terms of uh, media attention, the social attention that uh, uh, a club uh, like Roma uh, has. And plus the way it works, it's different. You know, it's two different clubs, two different countries and two different concepts of uh, working. And as I already said in the, in the past, it took me some time to realize that Monchi, that was... Uh, that the Manchester was good enough at Sevilla needed to change something in order to be useful for the uh, Roma uh, project. Uh, then, in terms of pressure and importance to try and achieve your targets, it's very similar. But the way to work is different, the way to get there. What are your long-term goals, objectives at Roma? Fundamentalmente... So my uh, biggest uh, target here in Rome is to build um, an economic model that would be sustainable and uh, stable and on the sports uh, side uh, to make Roma uh, as close as possible to the elite level and as close as possible to man to be uh, successful and so i would say that these are my two biggest targets in my stay in roma where does roma's academy fit into your plans the work of uh, the academy of the youth sector in general is uh, of uh, the essence for uh, a club whenever you want to build a long-term project, you know, to have the possibility to count on young players that um, developed in uh, in your uh, in your club. It makes the project all the more uh, sustainable. You know, if these kids grew along uh, alongside the club, you know, they believe in the club and they identify even more uh, with uh, with the club. So um, that's why, um, and also, you know, uh, for these kids, uh, the possibility to um, uh, absorb the methodology they've been working over uh, the years. So, you know, um, all, to sum it up, uh, it is of the essence uh, for Roma uh, to dedicate attention to the work of the Academy. Just a couple more questions. I appreciate the time. Um, there's a, a real sense that financial fair play rules from UEFA have at times forced Roma to sell some players it would have preferred to keep. For how much longer do you think that will be the case? Bueno, eh... Well, first of all, we are uh, working uh, in order to find that uh, economic sustainability that would allow us to decide which players to sell or uh, when to sell a player uh, or not. 
Uh, and I would say that we are on the good track, which doesn't mean that we won't have to sell players in in the future, because selling players is not uh, the is not an evil. It's a normal thing, as long as you can. Uh, reinvest that money in facilities, coaches and players to keep uh, growing and developing your uh, club. Um, players uh, have always been uh, sold in the history of uh, football. Uh, Barcelona sold uh, Neymar, uh, Real Madrid just sold uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, Pogba was sold, Juventus just sold uh, Higuain. It's okay, as long as a club has the capacity uh, to uh, reinvest that money. How much will a new Roma stadium, when it comes, influence your job? Eh, mucho, mucho. Uh, porque será una fuente a lot. Uh, because it will give us a source, important source que, of uh, revenues and will uh, raise even more the brand of uh, AS Roma and will give the club the capacity to invest more money with a bigger brand well uh, placed into the elite of the international market. Um, I have to ask about the Malcolm story. Um, if anyone wants a more detailed version, there's an eight-minute video that Monchi recorded that you can see online very easily, outlining his perspective of what happened with Malcolm in Barcelona. What I would ask is, knowing what you know now... Would you have done anything different on how the Malcolm situation happened? Yeah. Um, well, in retrospective, I uh, would have tried to find a bullet to shut down the satellite that you know puts into communication uh, Barcelona and uh, Bordeaux. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no. Creo. Uh, <laughs> Um, frankly speaking, I don't think we could have done uh, more. The player was about to board a plane. Uh, I had his passport with uh, the EST application form for him to ready to fly to the US. Uh, the medicals for the next day were already uh, booked. The hotel was booked. Uh, we had a ticket flight from Rome to San Diego for the player to join uh, uh, the club. You know, everything, we had a signed contract, everything was just ready. You know, as I said, just a bullet to uh, put down the satellite between <laughs> Barcelona and Bordeaux. ¿Puedo compartir esto o no? No, puedes decir que lo estás viendo. We're now no. looking at, uh, that would be Malcolm's passport on his phone. <laughs> Will you be extra motivated every time your team plays Barcelona in the future? Yo, después de casi 20 años en este... Uh, well, now, after 20 years in the business, uh, what I learned is that sometimes you win, sometimes uh, you lose, that um, hatred does not lead you anywhere, and that it's much better to have friends than enemies. Uh, my last question is... Who are the other directors of football in Europe that you admire the most and why? Muchos, uh, no? Michael Sorg, Andrea Berta, Piero Auxilio, Antero, Fabio, Fabio Perez, 
Fortunadamente, eh, I admire many of them, Sork, eh, um, Berta, Auxilio, Antero. Uh, luckily, the figure of a sporting director is growing and uh, developing in the world of uh, football, and the people prepare and study in order to become a sporting director. In the past, you know, it was like, okay, what would you like to do in football? Okay, sporting director, okay, I'll do it. Nowadays, the level of uh, culture, communications, knowledge uh, has increased Uh, dramatically uh, and um, uh, on top of the names I, you know, I just named uh, a couple of names you know, I could have named uh, 20 uh, good sporting director what I pride myself most in is that of the growing importance of this figure inside a football club Monchi thank you so much for joining me thank you also thank you very much to Claudio Bicelio Bicelio for being the interpreter for okay. the interview. Okay. My pleasure. Thank you, Max. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Monchi and Claudia Bichelia, as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. It really does help the cause if you do. And check out the 30-minute Planet Football video show hosted by me and Luis Miguel Echegaray on SITV. That's available on si.tv, Amazon Networks, and Fubo TV. See you next time. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.